0: Good morning, everybody. This is Rich Haley, and I'm here on the After Show podcast. What we do here, it's a little bit less uh, structured, a little bit less organized. Um, I'm here to talk with you guys, answer your questions, and basically just interact and you know let you guys ask me whatever you want to talk about, whether it's about today's show, talking about PPE or COVID-19 in general or sports, what little there is of it. Um, Just whatever you're interested in talking about. This is really your chance to drive the show. Like I said, this is kind of a Friday free-for-all. So I've got my comments open. I've got here on my phone so I can see whatever you guys have to say. And if you guys have any questions, just let me know. So, you know, we talked a little bit about my background being a former sailor in the Navy and a couple of jobs after that. And uh, I'll give you a little bit more of my history as a sailor. And uh, thanks, Bob. Bob just tells me, hey, Rich, that was a great show today. I I thought it was kind of fun. So uh, again, before I get started on that, I do want to talk about our podcasts because our podcasts are available just about anywhere that you go to for podcasts, including Anchor FM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Uh, Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast. Pretty much anywhere that you go to get podcasts, you can find us. And if you don't know how to do that, it's even easier. If you've got the uh, uh, Amazon device, that's my habit. I call it the Amazon device because when I say Alexa, four of them answer, I have them all over my house. But if you have the Alexa, all you need to do is say, Alexa, listen to Morning in the Mountains podcast. And it will find it for you from whatever podcast provider you've signed up for and play it automatically, which is Pretty cool. Of course, you miss the video if you do the podcast. But then again, in some cases, you know, that might not be a bad thing. So, like I said, I was in the Navy for nine years as a nuclear reactor operator. And it was a very interesting time period in my life. Um, Like I said, I was not the greatest college student. I had a whole lot of fun in college, uh, probably too much. And literally, the story I told is true. I got a letter from the University of Tennessee and they invited me to take a couple of quarters off. Um, That couple of quarters has now spread to about almost four decades. So I'm taking a little bit longer deciding what I want to do with my educational opportunity than maybe they expected. So um, I did go into the Navy July of 1984, spent Uh, Two months in Great Lakes in boot camp, and that's up in Illinois, just outside of Chicago, and then went through my first training as an electronics technician, also in Great Lakes. Uh, From there, I went down to Orlando, where we used to have a uh, naval training center. It's now some extremely expensive condominiums, but uh, I went down there and uh, spent about six months learning how the basics of nuclear theory and operating principles... From there, I went up for another six months to upstate New York and went to prototype training. Uh, Those are also gone now, and learned to actually operate a nuclear reactor. It was kind of interesting. My first two years in the Navy, between boot camp and all the schools I had to go to, were all spent on dry land. I never made it to a ship in those first two years. I finished my training in 86, and then I went to the USS Nimitz, which is an aircraft carrier. If you've never been on an aircraft carrier, you've never seen one in person, when you get the opportunity, you really need to do that. Because that is one of the engineering marvels of the world. Um, Five to 6,000 people living in a structure the size of three football fields. It's a little over a 1,000 feet long. And it is an entire operating city. The nuclear aircraft carriers that we have, they carry their own reactors so they make their own power Um, they can go pretty much anywhere Uh, up until recently they were the fastest ships in the Navy and that counts even the smaller ones and uh, they are an extremely complicated and modern uh, technological marvel and the most amazing thing about it to me is most of the work most of the operating is done by 18 19 and 20 year olds kids who just came out of high school have some college and they do the work so it's pretty interesting um see what we've got here <laughs> doug tussing says my amazon device just went off in my car to search for it and uh yeah that happens a lot i have uh, the amazon auto which is really cool um i've got a hands-free setup in my car anyway but the uh Amazon Auto takes it to the next level. It's a whole lot easier. I can make phone calls, change my radio station, turn the lights on at the house, whatever I need to do without ever taking my eyes off the road or the hands off the wheel. So it's it's pretty cool. So uh, Jim Johnson is wishing me good mu- luck on Miss Pac-Man. Thanks, Jim, I'll need it. You set a pretty high bar there. Um, I haven't played Miss Pac-Man in probably 30 years, so it will be interesting. Jim also says that his dad it was a Navy guy in the Korean War. Uh, my dad was also Navy. He came to it in a similar way than I did, but uh, a little bit more intense. Uh, my dad suggested that I join the Navy af- after I left college, and uh, his his thought was, you go out there, you get a trade, you get knowledge, and more, most importantly, it helps you grow up, and it really does. Now, he went into the Navy because the judge said you can go to the jail or go to the Navy, and he chose Navy. So (laughs) um, it was one of those things where he wasn't in a lot of trouble, but he was heading down that path. And uh, they they decided to let him go in the Navy a little bit early, and uh, again, it helped him. Uh, One of the cool things about the military is it doesn't just give you discipline. The discipline comes in the first part. But after that, you have to learn self-discipline. Learn how to keep yourself straight, keep yourself in order, do what you need to do. And that's something that stays with you all the way through the rest of your life. Um, So there's a lot of benefits to it. And now there is a cost. Um, When you go into the military, and it doesn't matter what branch it is, you're basically saying for the next four, six, eight years of your life, somebody else gets to tell you everything what you're going to wear, where you're going to be, when you go to sleep, when you get up, what you have to do. And it's a very, very structured life. And there are a lot of guys that have a trouble getting out of that. They get used to that and it's hard for them to uh, adjust to being out of there. Uh, Doug Tussing says he loves the Amazon Auto. I do. I like mine a lot. Um, it, It really makes things much, much easier. Um Jim Johnson says I love what the army did for me it made me the man I am today guys don't take that to heart not everybody's going to be Jim Uh let's see Doug says his cousin was in the navy in california can't remember the name of the ship it was in the 80s Doug also says thanks to all of us for our service Doug it was my honor That's an interesting thing um for years I've never felt comfortable in how to answer that when somebody says thank you for your service um, trying to say you're welcome seems doesn't fit. And I asked another vet about it. Uh, it was actually a couple of months ago. And he said, yeah, I know what you mean. I always answer, it was my honor, which is the perfect answer because it was. It was an honor and a privilege. And uh, I'm very happy that I did it. I'm happy that I went in with my eyes open and knew what to expect. Uh, I got a lot out of it. And uh, I gave a lot, too. So, One of the interesting things about my service was, in the Navy, you're in harm's way every day, especially on an aircraft carrier. Uh, You know, the nuclear reactor, it, it is what it is, and I was used to running that. You know, I tell people I lived, slept, ate, and breathed on top of nuclear reactors for six years. And they said, weren't you scared about it? And I said, no, I was more scared about the Marines on board because those guys are crazy. So, um, But with all the activity on the flight deck and on the hangar decks, even when you're in peacetime, the aircraft carrier is a very dangerous place. My first uh, med deployment, uh, when I got on board the Nimitz, we lost, I believe it was 11 sailors to uh, accidents while we were out at sea. Um, Most of them were airplane related, uh, but we did have a couple uh, shipmates who got uh, killed during the cruise. Um, And that wasn't even when we were at wartime. So when you're always in that level of, um, I don't want to say stress, but you're always at that level of awareness that you're in a dangerous environment and that things can happen. You don't take it for granted, but you begin to operate normally in that headspace. Uh, you know there's areas where you don't want to go if you don't have to be there because it's too dangerous. Um, you know that if somebody makes a mistake, it can come back on you and cause you problems. You know if you make mistakes, they can come back on somebody else and cause them problems. So you start learning to live in that level of awareness. That's a great word. You start to live in that level of awareness where you know and you're constantly aware of your surroundings and what's going on. And uh, it really carries over even after you get out. So, um, But where I'm going with this is the couple of times where we were on the ship and we did go, quote unquote, into harm's way, it didn't really feel that different because we were already there. Um I have a couple of campaign ribbons for Desert Storm and Desert Shield, but I don't carry them as, they're not, I don't wanna say they're not important to me, but I spent my service during Desert Storm tied up to a pier in Hergata, Egypt. I was on a, a tender at the time, so it was a ship that fixes other ships. So I was in the battle zone. I was in the theater of operations. You know, it shows up on my DD-214. And uh, I can join the veterans of the uh, foreign wars, the VFW. But I never faced actual combat. Now, I don't want to say I didn't face danger because we were in danger all the time on board ship. But I never had to do that sort of combat. And I didn't face that level of danger. And my hat's off to the guys who did. Uh, my dad was Navy. My grandfather was Navy. I was Navy. My son, he's the black sheep of the family. Uh, he went into the Army. And uh, he did what I didn't. And uh, I'm super, super proud of him. Uh, he did two tours in uh, Iraq. And I. he doesn't talk about it, and I don't ask him about it, but I know that he had to go through things that I didn't have to. And I save my admiration and my pride for the men and women who actually were on those front lines. I know where I went and what I did, and it's nothing compared to what they did. So a little bit about that. All right. See if we've got any other comments. Doesn't look like there's anything new. So, uh, interesting stories. I did uh, get injured while I was on the carrier. I broke my ankle. I was on the mess decks, and uh, we had a security alert, which is may or may not be a drill. That's one thing that the TV gets wrong. You don't hear this is not a drill. Okay? They call it away. You don't know if it's a drill or not until you know, they secure from the drill. So they called away the security alert, which means that the Marines are establishing security throughout the ship. And if you're on the mess decks during a security alert, you're flat prone on the deck, face in the deck, palms up in a secure position. They do that so that you are A, out of the line of fire, B, out of their way, and C, they don't have to worry about you as a threat. Anybody who's not down in that position is a threat. So you don't want to be on the mess decks during that because that can be 15, 20 minutes. So of course, security alert sounds, everybody's running to get off the mess decks. I'm running to get off the mess decks. I slip in a puddle of water, slide into a bulkhead, which is what the Navy calls a wall, and broke my ankle. Yes, very heroic. No, I did not put myself in for a Purple Heart because that would be stupid. Um, But you know, I hit the wall, I knew my ankle was hurt, I went to medical after the security alert was done. Said, yeah, there's something's wrong. I've I've heard it. And uh, you got to remember, Corman, remember what I said about 18, 19 year olds doing everything? Well, the late night Corman, he's going to be the youngest, juniorest guy. So he grabs my foot, starts wrenching around. You got good motion, good flexibility. Meanwhile, the only part of me touching the uh, examination bed. Was the back of my head and my other ankle because my back was arched up and I was trying not to cuss because it hurt so bad. He said, Nope, you got good motion. Everything looks good. You know, go back to your rack, come back in the morning. So I limped back to my uh, birthing area where we sleep and laid there in bed for uh, about six hours. And ankle was killing me. Went back the next morning again, walking the whole length got in and saw a uh doctor who took one look at the swelling said yep you broke it and took x-rays so then i was in a cast on board a carrier for 6 weeks which is uh very awkward but anyway that that's my war story of how i got injured during desert storm so now everybody knows Uh, Jim says, "Hua Desert Storm vets. I was right on the front line. I wasn't a fan of dodging bullets. Sounds like your son is a very smart man by joining the Army, which which shows the mindset that Army guys have. Mm -hmm. My son was uh, an intelligence in the intelligence group, and his job was to pick routes for uh, convoys. So he would take in the intelligence, design the route, pick it up, and set it out to all the people. He was not supposed to go out with the convoys because, similar to me, he had thrashed his ankle, although instead of getting a clean break like I did, he tore up a lot of stuff, so he was not combat fit. But my son is very stubborn. I don't know where he gets that from. It must be his mother. Said he would never send somebody on a route that he approved without traveling the route, so he would sneak out and ride the route. Uh, until his boss caught him and said, thou shalt not do this ever again. We need you here. But, uh, so that was his job. My job, like I said, I operated a nuclear reactor, which is very cool. Uh, This is a very common description. Operating a nuclear reactor is hours and hours of boredom, followed by 30 seconds of sheer terror when something goes wrong. We had, one of the cool things about the Navy and the Navy nuclear program. Again, average age of the operators of a nuclear reactor is 19. We have our chiefs who are... A Navy chief is like no other rank in the military. Um, Army has their sergeants. The Navy chief is a completely different different creature. Serves a lot of the same purposes as the uh, E-7 through E-9 ranks in the other branches. Navy Chief is the backbone of the Navy because these are the guys that are really the interface between the officers and the enlisted. They're the ones who provide information to the officers so the officers can make good decisions and then translate what the officer wants into terms that the enlisted can handle and make happen. So uh, they are absolutely vital. So And uh, Fredo McAllister, who uh, posted earlier, was one of my chiefs on the Nimitz. And like I said, I learned a lot from him. But the best rank, and I don't know if this is true of other, bla- other uh, branches, but in the Navy, the best rank is E6, which is where I got out, uh, Petty Officer First Class. You have just enough authority so you're no longer sweeping, mopping, dusting, shining, waxing, and polishing. Oh, and I forgot grinding and painting. But you don't have so much authority that you're now in charge of everything and everybody. That's the chief's job. So it's a nice, cozy little spot where you can tell other people to do the scut work, but you're not responsible for figuring out all the other stuff. So it's a really good spot. It's the transition right before you get into the uh, E7 where you do start having some major, major responsibility. So... I say, Jim, I'm honored to call him my brother. Does that make you my stepdad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could take that a couple different places, but I won't. Um, so anyway, that's a little bit about my background. Like I said, uh, Navy for eight and a half years. Uh, the reason I got out of the Navy is when I went into the Navy, I was a single man. When I got out of the Navy, I was married with five kids and one on the way. And, nope, wait a minute, Luke was born while I was still in the Navy. So I had six kids. And I have nothing but admiration for the people who can balance a military career with a family. I knew that I wanted to be with my kids more than I wanted to stay on in the Navy. And that's really what drove me to get out. Um, Again, I'm very proud of my service. I got out of it what I wanted to get out of it, I put into it, what they wanted me to put into it. Like I said, I went in with my eyes open. I don't regret it for a minute, but I don't regret getting out either. So, um, then, uh, ironically, (laughs) yeah, we won't go there. All right. So, anyway, if there's any questions, I'll be happy to answer those. Again, we can talk about anything. This is not just about me talking. This is really your chance to talk as well. But, uh, Let's see what we've got. If there's any other comments here. Oh, Cassandra is watching. Cassandra's my daughter. Hey, Cassandra. I guess that means that Liam and Gideon may be watching. So, hey, Liam. Hey, Gideon. Those are my grandkids. Um, Like I said, I have uh, six kids. And then uh, my wife and I split up. I remarried, and now I have nine kids. And at last count, fifteen grandchildren with one on the way. So, uh, when uh, the good book says be fruitful and multiply, we have produced many, many fruits. So, anyway, if there are no questions, yep. Wait a minute. That was supposed to be drink a Gatorade. I'm not sure what that means, Jim. <laughs> Okay. I think I missed a comment there somewhere. Anyway. All right. Well, I guess that is going to about do this after show podcast. Remember, wash your hands. That's the big thing. Social distancing is huge. But if you want to wear PPE, like we were talking about during morning in the mountains, do it properly so you get the maximum benefit out of it. Because if you're not, then you may wind up with a false sense of security. And thinking that you're protected when you're not, that's 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 worse. That's worse than not being protected because you may take chances. You may do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. And we don't want that. Okay? we want you guys to be here. COVID-19, if you look at the numbers, we are making progress. Things are starting to get under control. We're getting a handle on it. And if we just push through for a little bit longer, then the peak will pass. We'll get on the downside, and then we can start dealing with putting stuff back together. That's going to be a long road. Um, Shutting things down is easy. Starting them back up takes time. And just like a row of dominoes, you knock one down, it knocks all the rest of them down. It's easy. Setting them back up takes time. And there's going to be missteps along the way. But, and I kind of like having this American flag behind me, I am... patriot and I do believe in America. I do believe in who we are and what we can do. So I do know that we're going to put this back together. And I know that we're going to learn the lessons from this time so that when another one comes along, and there will, there will, there's no doubt about it. And one that's even more serious comes along. We will have learned the lessons from our trip through this time and we'll be able to address it in a way that doesn't cause the major disruption that we've had to deal with here. That's one of the things the Navy teaches us is after things happen, we go back and we look at what we did. We look at what worked. We look at what didn't work, and we look at what we can improve, and we put that in a plan so the next time we do things better. So in order to get to that next time, we have to finish getting through this time. So, again, practice your social distancing, six feet. Uh, If you have trouble gauging six feet, Stretch your arm out. If the other person stretches his arm out and you're not touching, you're six feet. That's all it takes. Grocery cart is almost six feet long. So if you've got a grocery cart between you and the next person, you're good to go. Okay? If you're sick, stay home. If you're out, protect yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of your families. Uh, when you went to the doctor in the military, they'd always say, take an aspirin and drink a Gatorade. Gotcha. Okay. He was talking about my broken ankle. So funny thing, Navy, you have to be able to swim. After my, I broke my ankle for two years, I swam in circles because my broken ankle side was stiffer. So I would swim in circles, which was uh, embarrassing when I, my head hit the wall of the pool. So, all right. So take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Stay safe. And remember to tune back in next week on Facebook Live or Roku or YouTube. And we'll be back with our full week of shows. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.